Join Sean and Brad as they talk about sports and share a beer. From the east coast of Canada to the west coast of the United States. Over to you boys. everybody yo what's good with you hey guys beer sports my name is brad uh, i come from the west coast of america with me as always sean valancourt currently in toronto sean hello good evening good morning good afternoon wherever you are yeah buddy how are you i'm good man you know what i was just going through all the different nicknames of toronto right now yeah. as it has progressed throughout the time and it's just like you know throughout your 50 years yeah, yeah. Throughout my 50 years. I was like, the big smoke, <laughs> hog town, cabbage town. The, the big smoke. Yeah. T dot uh, O dot T dot the dot. And then now just playing the six. Okay. I've only was aware of T dot and the six. Yeah, so I, know, I know. Yeah. You'll have to forgive me, uh, Toronto folks. <laughs> it's all good. Toronto, man. Is it Torontarians? Is that what it is? Torontonians. You're close. Oh, okay. Torontonians. Wow. Very close. Very close. Yeah. I'll anyway. give you a gold star for that effort. Mm, I'm very diplomatic of you. So, folks, this week's episode is the second half of our interview from last week. So if you haven't listened to last week, just go ahead and hit pause here. Go back. Check that out. It's very interesting. I'll tell you this. We didn't plan on talking about uh, Perry's... Um, I guess, take on writing and why he was so motivated to write books um, or his kind of his, I guess, his reason with, you know, with his sister being sick. Uh, you know, if you've listened, Sean and I also have experienced uh, cancer loss and battles in our life too. So it's a very compelling story. It was meant to be a standalone episode and there was so much good stuff in there. We didn't want to cut it. So go back, listen to that. If you've already listened to that, here's the rest of Perry and we will see you uh, on the other side. That's right. And, yeah. and you've written you've written on some of the most to me impressive Canadian athletes, you know, and and probably at some of the height of their of their popularity. Like I was looking, you wrote a book on Doug Flutie, uh, Mike Pinball Clemens, which I mean, Brad Pinball was something. That's all I could tell I you. Know. I know. I know. I, I, I remember. You know. I'm I'm just I'm just <laughs> south of the border, Sean. I I got the yeah. CBC. Now, so. <laughs> and then um, a, a subject that's kind of dear to my heart. I I tried it, um, didn't work out. A little pro wrestling. You you managed to write about probably the upper echelon as far as I am concerned. The excellence of execution, Brett the Hitman Hart. Wow. Yeah. Again, here's the here's here's the book, the Bret Hart book. And uh, one of the more interesting things about this book is that he did a book signing in Toronto, and my parents were there. You know, these, all these wrestling fans of all different ages and you know how they look. There's my my parents. You know, they're probably in their sixties at the time, whatever it was. These two little people, right? And they introduced themselves on Perry's parents, right? And he wrote something really nice, you know, on a on a book for them. And I thought. Uh, it was just funny that, you know, wrestling people are in their own little world. It's, it's to me, it's so many of these wrestlers marry wrestlers. And to me, it's very much like curling. Curling is the people that are in it are really in it. The, the, you know, the competitors are sometimes <laughs> their marriages don't and their marriages collapse and they end up marrying a fellow curler. And that's that's yeah. kind of what happened with, with Sam. Like, 
you know, and she uh, she was married to somebody just he wasn't as into her and as into what she was doing as, you know, and it was to her, it was it was sad. Right. So all she wanted in, in her life was despite all these amazing things she had done in curling, she just wanted to find somebody that would be a soulmate, somebody that that would appreciate her, you know, not just as a curler, but just as a person. And she found that. And then two years later, she dies of cancer, right? And it's just, again, to me, that that book is the one that means more to me than any other book, because I tell people, this isn't a book about curling. This is a book, it's a tragic love story, you know, about somebody who yearns to find love and finally finds it. And, you know, she dies two years later and she got like, a, like one girl was like two and a half and another was like nine months. So it's like everything she wanted in life, it finally happened and yet, you know that that was her life right and again it's uh it's it's kind of a sad story but i i was i'm more drawn to that book just because of her and what how much people say like what's the greatest athlete you've ever seen you've ever covered and i go it's sandra schmurl they go a curler and i go yeah because this girl played in like three canadian or she won three canadian championships three world championships and a, a gold medal in curling in 1998. So curling was there, I think it was like first time. There's the men's hockey team and she's in the commissary and Wayne Gretzky walks up to her and starts talking to her like, cause he's into curling. She goes like, I can't believe that Wayne Gretzky's talking to me. So it's a very kind of, it's a story about a woman from a small town called Bigger Saskatchewan, who goes on to become arguably the greatest women's skip of all time and you know unfortunately that that was her life so um mm. but getting you know i can get all dramatic about that but now i can turn around and talk about wrestling because it's wrestling's crazy right i mean it's, uh, it, it's <laughs> like go ahead go ahead i'm saying like you know i was watching monday night you know and my wife's coming down there and, and she her thing is like she watches all these reality shows right and some of the shows she's watching like I, I can't believe you're watching that. And so she'll come down and go, I can't believe you're watching wrestling because they're both soap operas in, in some respects. But what I appreciate about wrestling is this idea that it that it's fake. It's not fake. These guys are athletes, men and women. More women are doing incredible things these days. You can't fake some of those moves that they're doing. Yeah, you can fake a punch, but you can't fake like jumping off the top rope, doing a suplex or something like that. It just doesn't work. And some of them get hurt. So I say, yeah, yeah, it's scripted entertainment. You know what the finish is going to be, but it's the athleticism. And when I say, you know what the finish is going to be, for anybody who knows anything about Bret Hart, it's called the, the Montreal Screwjob because he was supposed to retain the belt and Vince McMahon, who owns the company, decides, no, no, I don't, he's, he's going to another company. I don't want him taking the belt with him because it happened once before with another wrestler. Yeah, with Medusa. Medusa Macellan yeah. just showed so up they, on WCW. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they 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 screwed Brett out of what he wanted to do, even though he had it, you know, a license in the contract. This is what it was going to be, and at the same time, there was a a gentleman in Toronto. I think his name was Paul J. I could be wrong. Who was doing a documentary about Brett called Wrestling with Shadows? Shadows, yeah. You have to if you have not seen that documentary, you have to watch it because Brett explains it all and, and saying, you know, it's the. It's that thin vein of reality. That's what wrestling is. It's real. And for people to say it isn't real, well, some of it isn't real, but it's more real than you think. Yeah. It, 
it was funny because he gave he gave some pretty hard criticisms in Wrestling with Shadows about Triple H and uh, Shawn Michaels and and his breath the Hitman Hart, and and then you look at Triple H becoming arguably another great big name, you know, where he said that he was really not going to amount to anything. I don't know how much of it goes into marrying into the family or not, but I mean, you know, you have to have some talent in order to stay there. My thing with Brett, um, he made you proud to be a Canadian in that time. I remember that. It was just like, mm-hmm. you were so proud that this Canadian has won the title. He's not some six foot eight, two, like 320 pound freak. He looks like a regular six foot one, 240, right? That was his build weight at that time. And mm-hmm. he's wrestling guys. A regular, a regular 6 one, two, 40. Yeah, yeah, a regular 6 one, two, 40 guy. <laughs> going up against Undertaker, who's 6'10", 310. Going up against Razor Ramon, who's 6'8", 320. And I'm just like, you know, people will be there going, how's he going to put the sharpshooter on him? Look at those legs. And the thing is, is that he would make you believe because the way he would attack the leg and just go methodically after it, make you just look at that script. It's like, this is how I'm going to break this person down. There was nobody better at that. I remember going from the second top, the second rope, and he'd come down with the elbow all the time. Like, that was one of his patented things he'd do. And unbelievable. It was poetry in motion. And when you saw the Montreal Screwjob, it it was flabbergasting. Because the thing is that nobody wanted to see Brett lose in Canada. Mm-hmm. And, and Vince made it that, right? Like Vince made it that at that moment, when you really think about it, everybody like, you know, had factions. You have the nation of domination. You had this motorcycle group there, whatever was happening. And Brett, the Hitman Heart, the Heart Foundation, and they just come in with the Canadian flag. And that was like one of the most famous things. I don't know where, which country, uh, which state he was in, which city he was in, but basically said that the U.S. looks like a toilet bowl. <laughs> it's underneath yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> Vince, Vince wanted him to, to, you know, be anti-U.S., anti-American, say all these things. And Brett had been seasoned enough in wrestling to cut promos without having them being scripted. And he says, like, you know, he's fearing for his life when he goes outside the, uh, you know, the, the arena because these people don't like what he's saying. And yet he crosses the border in Canada, and they all love him, right? It was one of the most bizarre types of uh, you could be you could yes. be loved in one place and hated in another. And they're wrestling he, far more often in, in in the U.S. than they are in Canada. He was loved across the world. That's the thing, is that yeah. I'm sorry, Brad, but everybody seems to want to hate Americans. It's just like right, and so like he was loved everywhere. He was a he was a he was a, he was the face everywhere else, but in the U.S. He was like a, a great big heel, you know. And, and he his knew. mother, his mother's American. So he's saying, "That's right." No way, there was no way I, I felt that way. My mother's American, but this is what they're asking me to do. So I did it. They, I played a role. And um, the reason Brett became the champion is because that was not long after the whole steroid trial, where all these, you know, Hulk Hogan's of the world, you know, they were they admitted they did steroids and and. It was a whole big controversy and Vince decided, okay, I'm going to have to switch things around. I can't have, you know, my, my, you know, my champion, number one, you know, talent that I'm going to push being one of these big guys. I'll go, you'll go with these guys who are mid-sized guys. And Brett ran with it. And he, you know, he, he wasn't, when he was doing um, uh, tag teaming, he wasn't that great. He evolved. And the same way I said, Nick evolved uh, as a broadcaster, 
Brett evolved as a wrestler. He came from that technical background, you know, learning from his father in the dungeon, which by the way, I went and saw it, you know, and I went up to Calgary to interview him. And it's like, it's, it looks like a mat, nothing much else. Right. It's no ring. There's, there's no ropes. It's just, it was, it was one of the more interesting experiences I've had as, you know, as being a writer and getting to see Brett Hart. And I'm talking to Brett and I'm, he's talking to me the same way I'm talking right now. And yet he'll go out in the ring and he'll project. So it, what's also interesting is that Brett Hart, that's his name or some of these other people, they were given names and characters and all that. And, you know, the criticism against him was he didn't know the difference, right? He, he took it way too seriously and didn't understand the business. And at any point in time, you know, Vince McMahon's running the show and he'll decide what's going to happen. And uh, yeah, for Brett, uh, yeah, it, to me, it was one of the more fascinating things I've ever done, getting to meet this guy up close and finding out he's just a regular guy when you're talking. Right. I, 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 I don't even know how you hold it together when you're talking to somebody of that, you know what I mean? Cause this is still, what, what year did that book come out? Was that just after WCW transition? Or? That was, that book came out in 2000, the same year that the Sandra Schmirler book came out. Got Both it. those books became bestsellers. So I'm looking at the globe and mail. Here's their top 10 books. I got two books in the top 10. I mean, you can understand with Brett, but to, for what happened with Sandra's book, Sandra's book sold more than 25,000 units. And just this sort of uh, comparison, a book that sells 5,000 copies in Canada is a bestseller. So that tells wow. you that five times, like for what a bestseller is, that's how many people wanted to read that book because people in Saskatchewan love their heroes and she was a hero. And, and it, to me, it was, it was a great Canadian story, but like I said, it's a, it's a tragic love story. And you ask me, how do I keep it together when I'm interviewing these people? I always tell them beforehand, I'm probably going to know more about you than you know about yourself. And because I try to research as much as I can so I can bring stuff forward because, you know, they may not remember it. And the more I could bring to, to researching the subject, the more I'm able to bring out in, in the whole story as opposed to just walking in there and think, yeah, I've written X amount of books. Uh, Tell me about your life, right? It doesn't work like that. And it doesn't work when you're interviewing people in my, in my job as a journalist. They'll see you right through you saying, okay, this guy doesn't even care, right? He just thinks he can waltz right in there and just ask me a bunch of questions. So you do your homework. Like I said with Nick, people will respect you. That's, that's, that's really good. That's really good. <laughs> I'm still amazed. Because like, all right, so was, was Stu Hart still around at this point when you were writing the book? Because you get the chance to meet him? Yeah, so here's the anecdote, and it's pretty funny. Like, Brett and I are going back because he wants me to meet, you know, see the hard house. He wants me to meet his parents, right? So he actually, he's with his son, Blade. Blade was about 12 or something at the time there, right? So Brett, Brett basically says, I got to go talk to, like, you know, one of my sisters, she's having problems, right? So Blade will tell you how to get to the house. So there I drive this car up to this house. It's dark, you know? I walk in there and I see some guy watching TV. And in the room, there's a bunch of barrels that you would see if you went into a place to get like, you know, food barrels of this or that, right? Bulk barn, whatever, right? It's just, it's one of his brothers, Smith Hart, right? Not, it was weird, right? But that was only the, the I got to meet Stu, and Stu 
says, and I can't do the voice very well. Hey, would you like me to put you in like a, uh, like a movie wanted, right? You know, to, you know, and I'm saying, no, no, man, I, I don't want to get stretched. It's okay. And then Helen comes by and she says, oh, still leave him alone. Come on. And so she was, let's, let's have some tea. Right. And it was just, and then I went downstairs to see the dungeon. It's very steep metal steps. And then I get there and I see it kind of looks like, like almost like a gym or if you remember what it was like in high school where you on a mat type thing. Yeah. Basically that it was kind of not, it was really dingy. There was a, there were some, you know, free weights around, but really this was just a place where he would put all these you know, submission moves on, on, on these people that want to become wrestlers. And like I said, to him, I think putting somebody in a submission move was a badge of honor or whatever, right? Yeah. But it was like me, like, no, 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 I don't need to come out of here with my arm ripped off, right? And then no. Brett came in later on and, and it was just, it was a fascinating time. And yeah, like I said, I mean, I grew up with, I grew up with two things I wanted to do, at least professionally. I wanted to be a journalist and I wanted to write books. So I, I've been able to do what I wanted to do, but I, yeah. I've been able to just do a book about Brett Hart and you know, get to talk to Brett. And, you know, it's, I, I, I feel pretty fortunate in that respect that you're asking me what it was like. Well, I can tell you what it was like because I got to do it. You know, I'm lucky. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. going to be my question. Was did Stu Hart want to put you in a hole? Because I'm there going. He looked like he enjoys that. He enjoyed that. You know, that, that looked like it was his enjoyment was to have well, that would it's cool. a better story that you didn't let him do it, but or do you regret it? Like, do you um, wish he would have? You know, maybe it would have been great to be in a submission a hold from Stu Hart to say that that I did it, but you know, I wasn't trying to be a hero there. And you have yeah, to understand well, cool. that um, he's rubbing his palms together like this is right. Hey, want to be in a submission movement again? That's that's not a great imitation of Stu. Yeah. That's sort of the way he talks. But I said. No, I, I don't need to do it. Thanks a lot, right? And uh, so, do what I about regret if you would have had a video camera? If you could have had it on video, would you have been more compelled to try it? No, <laughs> I just, I just didn't want to. I didn't yeah. want to do it, right? Because I didn't yeah. feel I, I needed to do it to prove anything no. to him or to me. No. And you know, all I think these you made the right are, decision. I think you well, made the right decision, people, Perry. <laughs> Sean would have let him do it. I'll tell you that right now. Sean 100% would have. Sean would have just fallen on the ground and been like, stretch me. Yeah, well, you've seen the movie Wrestling with Shadows and how he's he's stretching out these guys who kind of want to become wrestlers. And they're they're crying because, like, he's basically choking them. And to him, that was, if you want to become a wrestler, you're going to have to know how to, you know, take this physical abuse and, and embrace it. I didn't need to take the physical abuse. I was writing a book that was going to be enough for me. Okay. <laughs> and now, and I could tell you these, these stories. I got to see the heart house. I got to see Stu Hart. I got to see Helen and Brett and, you know, some of his family members. Right. So that's, that's my story, which is far more important to me than telling you. Yeah. He, he put me in a hold and like for the rest of my life, my arm hurts. Yeah. 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 I can't feel, yeah. I feel the rain. I feel the rain every time yeah. it's coming in this right arm. It's like <laughs> and just um, one thing about Hard House, when I went in there, there's 12 kids, eight boys, four girls, four girls, marry wrestlers. Like they were all married to wrestlers for the most part. And they're up on the wall. This old house is like portraits, the 12 of them, right? 
each one of them. And, you know, this was after uh, Owen had, had died, right? Owen had died in a tragic, you know, accident in, in the, something that, that wasn't supposed to happen. Something went wrong, right? As I said, wrestling can be scripted, but things happen that aren't, they're not, they're not expected to happen, right? And um, so just to see, you know, this place where they grew up and all those different, like, the people that some of whom I had a chance to meet, some of whom I didn't, you know, in later years I had a chance to meet uh, Owen's widow, and that was pretty profound stuff as well. You know, when you think about the Montreal Screwjob, him's moving over to WCW, Brett the Hitman Hart. I think we had a conversation beforehand, but I, I just want you to give this to the listeners. Do you think kayfabe is still even a, a thing? Or do you even think that there was kayfabe within kayfabe within the Montreal screw job? Like, is any, First of, of, all, for any people, of the veil is for, down? Yeah, for people who want to know what kayfabe is, you know, for the longest time, that was kind of like, this is wrestling and it's between us and, you know, all the marks, all the people out there aren't supposed to know that, yeah, we may, may we may be traveling together, right? We're best friends. I think there was a lot of things that happened. You know, you could say the the steroids that was sort of the beginning of it. That they had to sort of make people know that this is scripted entertainment. So, yeah, the era in which Stu Hart was wrestling, like that was kayfabe, right? But wrestling has evolved and did evolve to the point where it's a lot more open, right? Certainly now, if you want to, you go look on Twitter, like people are saying, you know, this is what's going to happen. I, you know, I had a friend of mine worked at the sun covered wrestling, if you could believe it. He used to go to all these big events and he, he knew what was going to happen ahead of time because they were telling him, but that it's sort of this idea that, you know, what's going to go on and yet you don't want to believe what's going on. And you mentioned triple H. I think triple H is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time because he was very giving. If it came time, to putting somebody else over to make them become important. He always did it, right? I think he was an incredible wrestler, but I think as he evolved into kind of working with Vince and the whole creative, uh, you know, structure of, of wrestling, he did really well. I mean, he he learned a lot from uh, from Ric Flair and just, he paid attention, right? And he's one he of He just knew how to be a detailed showman. Um, I think. It is, he yeah. just, I always thought that about him. It's, his detail work was always so good when he was just being, you know, just in front of a crowd. I always thought that's what put him over for me. I never because thought I he was the most talented. The music, yeah, the I music think he and got the, it. the water spray, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think he, he understood, like, he was a student of what he was doing. So he comes in there as some big guy, and they, they want to make him out to be this character who's like this uh, – yeah, it was like a, like a Helmsley, like yeah. yeah. It, it was a kind of a dumb role, but again, he's smart enough to say, you know, if I do this really well, you know, I can I can I can prolong my time in wrestling. And a lot of times they give these wrestlers roles and they don't do very well and that's it. Your 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 chance is over. Now some of them don't do very well and they leave and come back you know, 15, 20 years later, they've matured and they understand the business a little bit more. But I always thought technically he was really good. Yeah, he wasn't, I wouldn't say he was as great in terms of his athleticism, but I think, you know, one of his nicknames is the cerebral assassin because he understood the cerebral aspect of what wrestling is. And yeah, I think to me, like I said, every time, you know, he watched him like it's coming up to WrestleMania and he's going to really make 
somebody look good because that's what he's been asked to do. And I think that's a tribute to his talent. I think for myself that the WWE did their best work when they were under pressure. So like when WCW was beating them in the rating wars, you mm-hmm. had great products coming out from both sides. And then the WCW just rolled that one trick pony till it died. The NWO yep. where it just, be- it became too much. And then it was just like, yep. what am I watching? You know, uh, but the WWE, they, they competed and made characters that had no, there was no delineating. Like, it wasn't like you're a face and you're a heel. You could switch right yeah. in the middle of a match, you know? Like, it could happen like that. That was some of the best products I've ever seen. Then they got fat. <laughs> like, they're competing against themselves, Raw and SmackDown. And, and to me, yeah. the product became so polished that it's like, it, it, it's like... It, it needed some more of that grit. When I saw AEW come out and and do its 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 thing, it, it's like I, I'm I'm looking forward to Wednesdays. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, All Elite Wrestling was kind of this enterprise, this promotion that all of a sudden became huge and became a competitor now of the WWE, right? They have to, they're, they're paying attention. They, the WWE for a variety of reasons has lost. Now the phone's ringing. So the, you'll have to cut this part out because the phone rings all the time. Right. You know? <laughs> anyway, we probably, we probably can't even talk about it because I don't know how to, how to turn off the phone there right now. Right. My wife's upstairs and that's another story, but I'll just say that I'm a big fan of AEW. I like what they're doing, and I like the talent they're creating, the talent that they're getting from the WWE. I think the only thing missing right now is getting a solid roster of women, and they're building upon that. And I think then it's just a matter of time before the you know all all elite wrestling grows. They have a lot of shows going on. The shows come into Canada, whatever it is. I think it's it's. I like their product right now, and I'm you know I'm still a fan of the WWE. And if you like wrestling, it's good because now we got competition. That's exactly it. And and finally, like I think we were talking before we even got on there, is that this is the first time Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar are going to meet. And I I'm like whoa, <laughs> like I know it's been happening a little bit, but NFL playoffs have been going on, so I haven't paid too much attention to that. Then I yeah. look at it, it's like here's these two behemoths are going to meet for the first time and uh i'm i'm there going they're 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 trying to make some matches now right like some real good matches in wwe in order to compete this because but it can't it can't go just for people who understand it can't go very far because first of all bobby lashley has already been a heavyweight champion second of all he's got some talent but it's more just he's this big guy and and um you know brock lesnar is the franchise they always bring him back because he's their most marketable commodity. So, you know, it's a question then like, is Brock, you know, going to help Bobby Lashley get it over and make him bigger than he is right now? Or is he just going to, is it going to be suplex city and Brock Lesnar's done suplex city to, to the best of the best. So, you know, we're coming towards, you know, WrestleMania. So the, the key thing is to understand who is the one that they're pinpointing to fight Brock Lesnar. And, um, you know, I have to think it's, well, I got a couple of ideas, but, you know, whatever it is, Brock will be Brock. 
And the, that's a, what a great name, Brock Lesnar, the guy who was in U, you know, the, the UFC and was a heavyweight champion. This guy's got, in my opinion, he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. He tried professional football and it didn't work out, but I mean, what an athlete. And, and, you know, he's a, he's got everything that you want. It's certainly everything that Vince want. And he wants that big tough guy. And Brock's also like, he actually starting to cut his own promos where before it was like, right. yeah, like Polly dangerous. <laughs> I forgot his, his name, right? Paul, Paul Heyman. I'm Paul Heyman, right? Well, now Paul yeah. Heyman's hooked up with him, right? The, the, but the fact that Brock, Brock is actually speaking as opposed to just standing there, like, that's it shows something about what they're doing with him now as, as opposed to what they did you know before yeah where he was just standing there just a menacing figure yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah he's got to fix um, his hair though i don't i don't buy the tough guy with that haircut <laughs> but it, it, yeah. the way with the, what they're doing with him now i mean that's a weird hairstyle he's got and yeah. it's uh <laughs> i was a big brock guy until that hairstyle came out and i just can't i just i gotta get off the train I just can't. Yeah. Well, that's again, they're, they're doing something different. And yeah. bottom I'll still line watch. Is, Don't get me wrong, Perry. I'm still watching because it's Brock Lesnar. Like it's Brock. That's what I'm saying. It's Brock Lesnar. Who's one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. And people say, yeah, he's a wrestler. Yeah. No, a no. guy who goes into the UFC with not a lot of training and ends up becoming the heavyweight champion. And that's not fake. That's real. Okay. So that's, if, if nothing, if he does nothing else in his career, he proved that he could understand and, and get inside the, you know, the octagon and, 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 and actually win. And I'm uh, a big UFC not- guy, Perry. Like, I, I, that's my sport. I, I love the UFC and what Brock did in the UFC. It's unparalleled. Yeah. It, no At that time, if you would have put Brock in that situation in the late nineties, you know, back when there was not so many multidisciplined athletes yep. now in the UFC, you've got to be able to, you know, be on the ground, stand up, all those things back in the day, one dimensional. Brock was relatively one-dimensional when he came in and just destroyed everybody. Yeah. It was, and, it was uh, impressive. It was definitely yeah. impressive. So that's that generational athlete that the UFC had, yeah. that the WWE cultivated, and then brought him back. And so, yeah, I don't think, with all due respect to Bobby Lash, I, I don't know where that whole thing's going. And to me, it just seems like, you know, the two big guys, but at the end of the day, Bobby Lashley is going to be going through, I don't know how many suplexes, because I don't know how many suplexes uh, were put on John Cena, but they were a lot. Yeah. 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 Oh, no. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, you know, because you're right. Brock can sell as well, right? Uh, I remember when he lost to Seth Rollins, he sold well. He sold well. I mean, in that beginning of WrestleMania, then Seth ends up going over the top. And, I, and it was just because I like. Brock Brock's a part timer in the WWE. He gets put, paid full time money, but he likes to go hunt yeah. and fish and his extracurricular stuff. So I mean, you know, that's yeah. that's what he does. But um, you know, he came back, and I, they needed him. I'm, I'm sorry, but like you know, uh, the big guys that they have right now, like you said, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. They're and great. Drew McIntyre is a great example of a guy. He he wasn't ready when he first came in there, and he comes back. Yeah. 10, 15 years later, whatever it is, and he's a far more polished athlete and good on the mic. And, and just he's the complete guy. Uh, Seth Rollins is the one I'm just wondering because his wife is Becky, right? Becky Lynch. Right, right. So that kind of like the two, those are two very big 
personalities in the WWE. So I just, you know, that's it's somehow or another. That's where I think Seth Rollins will figure into some kind of whether it's a WrestleMania um, with Brock. I, I'm not really sure, but he's. He, I think he's, he's my favorite female wrestler now and probably of all time. I love her. I think she's fantastic. Who is Becky? I think she's the best. Yeah, Becky's Becky. really, really developed as a personality. And, you know, I mean, I mean, she's great on the mic, really, really good on the mic. And, you know, um, it's just she's really, really developed into a personality and she can she can be a face. She can be a heel right now. The average are a heel. Right. But she is good. And um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's some interesting things happening in the WWE and uh, AEW. And uh, yeah, for people who like wrestling, great. For people who don't like wrestling, too bad. Missing out. Missing out. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, Perry as much as Sean and I did. That we had that conversation uh, probably a week and a half ago now. And I just, I've been sitting with it every day. It was just, uh, it was a beautiful conversation, I think, between three guys that really love sports and, uh, you know, yeah. it, it was powerful. And, yeah. yeah. It was, it was powerful because it was more than just sports. You're right. It was sports and family, family. Yeah, it was all about real life. And if you're listening uh, and you're on your video on, you see here my mighty book uh, showed up that Perry Lefko wrote. So, Thanks, Perry, for convincing me to write this book. I bought it even though it wasn't on Amazon Prime. It took eight days to get here, but uh, I'm enjoying it. So it's a fantastic book. Perry's written numerous books. Go see him, follow social media, tell him we sent you all those things. Again, Perry, thanks for your time. And uh, we appreciate you. You know, I still think we're blessed, man. We have some great guests that have come on here. And, uh, you know, like, it's it's great. It's, it's awesome. Who would have thought two years ago that uh, – we would be here talking with some people that are doing things within the sports world. It, it's, it's humbling, you know? Yeah. It's wild, right? It's wild, man. So shout out to okay. you for having a great idea and shout out to me for allowing you to convince me. <laughs> man. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't work without the two of us. That's for sure. Yeah. No, we are, uh, Ebony and Ivory, as they would say, yeah. Tinkling the, tinkling the old ivories there with our fingers. And every, every now and then we have to bring in a reed. Just to, just to make it fun. Shape. Yeah, just to yeah. Shape. See what I did there? See? That's why I'm here. I'm here for the wordplay, kids. Man, hey, what did you think of that special weekend that happened last weekend? The AFC and the NFC. I thought it was an interesting uh, culmination of the sports world. I thought we saw the best weekend of football the weekend prior. Um, but last weekend didn't disappointed it was the championships uh for the conferences so we had the green bay packers had already lost the 49ers 49ers were in with the los angeles rams right and then we had the kansas city chiefs and the perennial underdog america's team led by ice cold joey burrow who does his swagger is just off the chart right the cincinnati Bengals. Him, him and McPherson, those two young boys are just rocking it over there. Yeah, McPherson allegedly again did the same thing. Hey, <laughs> looks like we're going to the Super Bowl and went out and made the kick. Yeah. 
it makes you wonder if like you know you're so young you just don't understand what's happening at the moment so well, i think the he understands i think yeah i think he's just another he's a young justin tucker right or whatever he just he don't care he knows yeah. what's coming he just is that good he's just gonna call a shot he don't care that's great man yeah they were saying that i think he's close to a record that uh vinatieri held yeah but i think he's made he's made 12 in a row and vinatieri has 14 field goals in a row so yeah. like not missing so that's yeah. ridiculous um way to go i i did not see that coming again i got that one wrong yeah i think i was open too to be honest with you no no i think did you did I choose no. cincinnati i think you chose cincinnati yeah yeah, I was on the fence chose- with them the week before. Oh, you know what I did? Because I, I wouldn't choose Kansas City. That's right. So yeah. my, my Cincinnati pick held up. My, the 49er pick did not hold up. So. No, I picked the Rams. Um, but I, I told you that Jamie Kyle Garoppolo Shanahan- showed up to be himself in that final two minutes. What a man. I told Boy. you, though. I told you last week that Kyle Shanahan should get coach of the year because every game he's got to make a game plan to go around his quarterback because his quarterback will not win him the game. Well, that is the coach of the year. Yes, that's not going to happen next year. I can promise <laughs> you that. <laughs> and then, of course, Tom Brady and usual Tom Brady styles. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe his intern, somebody's intern somewhere got it messed up on Saturday. But then on Monday, it's all of a sudden it's it's a go again. Yeah, I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty or wild. Tuesday, Tuesday. You pretty much know what happened uh, there. You know, all the talk of Tom, you know, playing as long as he could. Still felt good. Felt like he had two or three years left. And then just to be out like that, you know, it was interesting. But Hey, hats off to the man, you know. Uh, he was a rival yeah. against my team, the Buffalo Bills. It was. It's fantastic to see this side of, side of Tom Brady. I think we would have been uh, a disservice as sports fans if we hadn't seen... Uh, post Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. If we only would have had New England, Tom Brady, you know, maybe we don't feel the same way. But yeah. having Tampa, Tom is uh, a gift to sports fans. Yeah, to, see, to, to see like a phenomenal talent just be that open at the end like that was pretty cool to watch. It reminds yeah, me a little bit of Green Bay or, or this, of MJ at the end, you know. This this past season, didn't he have his own TV show going on? He had his own uh, podcast going on. He was just on it man he was on it and playing football yeah they had filmed that man the arena series to drop during the season but i think i don't think that was alive i think that happened in the off season podcast definitely was going during the season no but i'm talking about the the gronk and tom show there oh i don't know I didn't <laughs> the three episodes that, that happened i don't know gronk's got to be on his way out too right he's not going to be back no i can't see him coming back i can't not at all got the extra million bucks in the Hall of Fame breaking records and now he's just gonna ride off into the sunset and do Gronk things. More power to him. Yeah. Hey, I, I did want to change the subject quickly. Uh, I wanted to say thank you Portland Trailblazers for trading Gary Trent Jr. to the Toronto Raptors. Oh, uh, man. Who called that early in this thing? Man, who was that? <laughs> who was upset? Oh, man. Which one of us was it? <laughs> uh, I was upset losing Norm Powell. Absolutely, yeah. He thought that Gary Trent Jr. was not uh, an adequate piece. Well, I mean, I thought he was good enough. You know what I mean? He was probably going to be Norm Powell-esque before Norm Powell. You know, 
mm-hmm. you know, paying the money that we would we were paying Norm Powell at the time. That's what I thought we were getting. And now five straight games, 30 points. Yep. Uh, I told you he was a little Damien. Man, he is uh, unbelievable. And right now, I mean, the Raptors are clicking. Uh, the Leafs are clicking. Uh, did you see Austin Matthews reach his 400th point in 368 games or something like that? Oh, I must have been asleep. Yeah. Well, unbelievable talents, unbelievable things happening. Um, I'm, I'm really happy here in Toronto. Seattle, congratulations. Philip Grubauer doing a little bit of uh, cracking history there for a shutout for the franchise. Someone had to get it. <laughs> You can you guys, see how much ESPN respects him because they had a picture of uh, Chris Dreiger on the Philip Grubauer <laughs> article. But it was Philip Grubauer. <laughs> Grubauer did it, and Grubauer was in the headline, but it was clearly not Grubauer in the picture. So, Hey, that's team history. That's something to be proud it of. Is. Yeah, you know, um, He's actually been serviceable the last seven games, so it's hard to be upset with it. Yeah. It I, hasn't been his fault, so... Listen, I mean, you know, there's Vegas is a one-time deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Seattle just came through the East Coast on a four-game swing and went three and one. Like yeah. we feel good about that. But I'm just saying, look, Las Vegas, their their first their inaugural season, that was a yeah. one-off, man. Like yeah. that was something Absolutely. I don't think we'll ever see. I think again. anybody had those aspirations. We just didn't know hockey at all here in Seattle. And so, you know. Yeah. We're just not used to that level of I mean with the Mariners, I guess. But. But here's the thing is that you guys have more wins than the Montreal Canadiens. That's something to be proud of. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like Sorry, that Ryan. meme. That meme I sent out. Yeah. The two things that are at the bottom of the Atlantic. Oh, did you send that out? Well, I saw it somewhere and I just oh, okay. conveniently took oh, it. Oh, you mean you mean publicly sent it out? Yeah, publicly sent it out. Yeah. Spoiler kids, most of Sean's good ideas come from me in his inbox. it's true it's true before we go i did want to talk about what happened in chicago about the chicago blackhawks um this week so owner rocky works and ceo his son uh i forget his name right now danny little danny Danny works danny works they decide to have a public fan like town hall to just talk about the Chicago Blackhawks Um, normal in hockey culture usually no but I mean this is also like they're they're having a losing season they had yeah yeah, I get why I just I didn't know if like owners did this owners don't do this in other sports right not usually I mean not even in hockey I've never seen anybody do any of this um you know uh but here he's asked a a very normal question. I mean, this is a valid question about Kyle Beach. So if people don't know, Kyle Beach uh, was sexually assaulted by the video coach uh, back in 2010 during the Chicago Blackhawks uh, Stanley Cup run. And he brought his allegations up and, and nobody did anything about it. And it is believed to have reached uh, the owner as well, as far as the information. Well, well, you can't fire the owner. Inv- hold, well, this, let's say this. An independent investigation by the law firm Jenner and Block concluded that nothing was done by senior leaders to prevent the harassment Beach faced. 
and longtime general manager Stan Bowman and vice president of hockey operations Al McIsaac both resigned and others were fired because of what was unearthed. That's right. Um, you know, so he asked and then apparently about- in a heated exchange on Wednesday that you're referring to, mm-hmm. uh, Rocky Wirtz, which is a wonderful name for a hockey owner, it's got to be full like it's scripted. Uh, he made it clear he was not willing to revisit the past. The past, including a resolved lawsuit with uh, Beach that was confidential. That happened yeah. back in December. I'll say this quickly, and just for lawsuits in general. If a lawsuit was filed in May of 2021 and it was settled in December of 2021, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe there was some fire where that smoke was. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Six months to a verdict? Yeah. To a settlement? Yeah. But I just think, okay, so, you know, the, there's there's a couple of black eyes happening here with the National Hockey League, the hockey diversity, just like a couple of weeks ago, people have been yelling racial slurs at some of the, and there's only 5.7% of the hockey, uh, like, like people playing hockey, 5.7% in the National Hockey League, they're actually people of color that are bi- BIPOC, so black, indigenous, and people of color. So there's only 5.7% of those people that play in the National Hockey League. Yeah. And <laughs> what is it? What is it, Brad? Looks like Nothing. I didn't know what that stood for. So. Oh yeah, yeah, BIPOC. Sorry, very, very, yeah. very much a thing. Yeah. And yeah. then um, I, th- I thought this POC was going to cover us, but we have to add the other part to it. Yeah. So BI is Black, Indigenous, and POC is the people of color. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but aren't Black and Indigenous also people of color? That's, right. where that's where I'm crossed up at. I'm not trying to be right. ignorant. I'm just asking if it's. It feels like it's doubled up. But. Well, pe- people of color can also be uh, biracial, right? I, I know. Yeah. I, just, I thought it was all. I thought that people of color was all inclusive. So. Yeah. No. Um, because black and indigenous seems to be pretty much like separate as far as those uh, people. You know, they 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 label them as separate. Oh. Because the 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 <laughs> we should not talk about this anymore. Because I I don't, uh, yeah. Well, from what what it is, is well, that, why we separate two groups and then lump and then segregate everyone else into a third group? Just I don't know. Maybe maybe it just sounds cool. BIPOC. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, I was what I was hoping. I didn't want to get this deep into it. I don't, yeah. I, well, now now you're making me go into the weeds, and I don't want to be I talking know. about uh, this too much. You know. I mean, I do. I I do. Yeah, it's, listen, it's a very serious issue that should yeah. be unearthed, fixed, however it is. Yeah. I, it's very pathetic that we find ourselves here in this day and age that we're even discussing this because it's an issue. I mean, I, it's a very real issue. I'm not trying to sweep it under the bridge and say it's not. Mm-hmm. It's so fantastic of an issue. It should be the forefront of everyone's mind. Absolutely. It's just incredible to me that in 2022, like, we can't get around it. That just tells you how systematically ingrained it is in people. That people were like, oh, that's not a real thing. What are we doing, folks? Yeah. It's a real thing. Let's figure this out. And, and I'm not I'm not trying to com- compare what happened with Kyle Beach because Kyle Beach's uh, incident was, was a, a sexual assault, right? And so it's yeah. not the same, but it's the same sort of mentality, you know? Like, we're not going to revisit this. We're not going to talk about this. This is going to sweep under the rug. We're never yeah. going to mention this again. Let's ban and, these books. Yeah, and it's like, it, it just makes you go, okay, do you really think that you're going to be able to just walk away from this? This happened in your organization. 
yeah. you should be able to have some sort of answer for this. It's not a, I'm going to have a hissy fit and walk out of the whole entire thing. Well, you know that old adage, right? My grandpa always said, you know, the more upset someone got when they asked, when you were asked a question, the more likely they did that shit. <laughs> very true. Those are, you know, your grandpa sounds like it was a very wise yeah, man. Listen, Grandpa George had all the answers. He was yeah. a wise man. But yeah, I mean, you know, my dad is retired uh, this week. It was interesting. Went to his retirement party and saw a bunch of you know people. And even in that retirement party, they were still talking about how my grandpa George would have been proud of you know what my dad was able to accomplish and you know what us grandkids are accomplishing. And I thought that was real cool. My grandpa's been gone for you know more than a decade. Still, people were talking about him. You know that he would be you know what he instilled in us would be the thing. So yeah. I'm grateful for those little we call them Georgeisms. I'm, I'm grateful for those things. So. You want to hear my favorite? You want to hear my favorite Georgia though? Let me hear it right now. Uh, He would always say, "You know, we're all Tejas. We look good in anything or nothing." (laughs) (laughs) Wise man, George Tesh. That's right. How proud? How proud are you to share the same initials as your father? Oh, massive! I love it. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have a kid with a beat as i wanted to carry on this little bt tradition it's, i love it i love it you know I, I stand on the shoulders of giants it's just the thing it's, you know it's easy for you know it's the one to be better for the next generation because we are following in the footsteps of you know multiple generations of solid leaders and men and you know it's yeah you know it's really fun to be honest with you i i want to finish my point with um this Blackhawks thing with the hockey thing yeah, 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 with this whole entire thing in general is that we have to learn to be nicer to each other, to understand that we're all human beings here and to understand that if there is something that has happened, you should not just try to sweep it under the rug. You should be able to look at it and figure out what can be done differently. Cause if we're just going to go back, same old business, the same old business, is just going to be same old business. It, nothing will ever change. And that is not the way to go. Not in 2022. Yeah, I would argue that's worse than nothing will change. It's that things will change and they'll change for the worst. That's like what we've that. known to happen. Yeah. We have so much access to everything these days. There shouldn't be these incidents. There shouldn't be these things. But it's been so deeply ingrained and so back words. That we can't, you know, make a statement without people being one way or the other. And that's terrible. Like, no one listens to listen anymore. We listen to respond. Oh, my God. That's we just don't take the time to hear each other out and to see each other's differences. And we're all so, you know, put in these little groups. And we can't be wrong. And I was thinking about it today, just how just the, even the political climate and how it drives me crazy. And I, I watch these people on both sides of the fence bash political leaders. And then when the very opposite happens in their political party, then they are that they celebrate it. And I just thought, you know what? It, you're not an open thinker. You're not a critical thinker. It's not an open mind for you to not give credit where credit's due. If you're only critical and you don't give credit, you're just you're a terrible person. You're choosing, you know, politics and party over country and shame on you. And it's the same thing when it comes to how all these things come together. If you're choosing your uh nationhood or your race or any of that other stuff over a human being shame on you let's stop siding on that let's all just be humans let's be kind 
Be gracious. It's not a weakness. Let's get there. Well, well put, Brad. All right. I think this brings us to our one-on-one question. All right. Do you have one for me, Brad? I do, but you're not going to like it. Oh, okay. It's a would you rather. All right, do it. Do it. (sighs) Would you rather not sleep for 48 hours or only be able to use the bathroom at your neighbor's house for a week? I'm going to pick not sleep for 48 hours. (laughs) I do some nasty things in those bathrooms. If I want my neighbor to like me, I'm not going to do that. That was the longest pause in the history of this show. I thought your mic broke. (laughs) Yeah, not sleep for 48 hours. That's that's definitely it. That's the one. You'd just be Um, punch drunk and just walk around just bear hugging, tickling everybody for... 26 hours, huh? Because I feel like about 22 hours, you get real punchy. I was up for 72 one time. Yeah, it was yeah. not good. Not good yeah. at all. It was like, yeah. <laughs> still, still better than going to your neighbors for a week, though, right? Yeah, no, no. I, I, I Please like me. I like to be invited to barbecues. <laughs> I do not want to destroy your bathroom. I do not want to do that. Oh, man. I did not see that one coming. That was very good. All right, so with the Seattle Kraken getting their first shutout, how important now is it for Seattle to take the next step into next season? What do you think Seattle needs to do to take that next step in the next season? Well, I think they have to find some defensive help. I mean, that's part of the problem. You know, we've got some good leaders that are just out on IR or whatever we call it in the NHL. It'd be interesting to see if we could get our tro- all of our top picks back from the expansion draft and get them on the ice together, what would happen? Uh, but I think, you know, going into it, into the offseason, I think that, um, you know, a goalie is a priority. I don't think you're that far off from a couple of pieces, you know, um, yeah, they're fun. They're competitive. We're not losing 5-0. We're losing by a goal, and that's yeah. what's frustrating for a new franchise. Is, yeah. You know. I just think you guys had a rocky start in the beginning, right? Yeah. Because there's nerves, you know what I mean? Well, there was so much expectation. I mean, that place was electric, right? Yeah. I mean, being in the opener and just watching, you know, there's a reason why they had them go on the road the first three or four games before they came home, because you can't start the first game of the, you know, uh, an organization's existence at home with a rabid fan base you can can do it so it's, it's so fun true. you should come out I, and let's go to a game let's figure it out i'm waiting for it man I, i'm 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 I'll on board you, i'll beat you up I'll in the even, parking lot and pull your sweater over your head uh, i'll even i'll even buy a cracking jersey okay i know you would <laughs> hey 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 i gotta ask you though before we go so you've been reading the book yeah, yeah I, read, I read a chat. Yeah, it came in last night. I, oh, I read okay. A chapter of it. Yeah. You're going to have to tell me and the fans about the original George Steinbrenner when you get there. The, okay. The OG, the OG. I Harold, will definitely take that homework assignment. And on the next episode of Guys for Sports, look forward to my book report. I love it. All right. Until then, kids, we thank you for your support. 
We're doing big things. You got some big things on the way. Don't don't sleep on us. We're on our way now. Don't worry about us. We're going to be there real soon. Just stay rocking with us. We appreciate you. Till next time, be good. Be good at it. Right. Oh. You've listened to the podcast, but now it's time to visit us in our virtual sports bar. Get all of our info at guysbeersports.com where you can find all the ways to connect with us. Watch for live conversations with Brad and Sean that happen throughout the week and join in with your favorite local beer. You can share your thoughts in the conversation comments with your own uploaded videos or even join us as a guest live commentator. The GBS Virtual Sports Bar is open for business. Come on in, boys and girls.